Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> pilgrims and travelers on the sunny path of life. A beautiful uh, sunny morning finds me leaving Portilla de la Reina hacia Reanio. Reanio is our cruising destination for today. So of yesterday, as far as for El Camino Badiniense, there will not be extreme up and down. It's going to be relatively low key. And then pretty much all the way to Leon, really. Which uh, I think I'll get either Wednesday or Thursday, depending on how I play it. If I... Uh, well, we'll see, I guess. Kind of thinking about... You know, giving a, a shortcut of a day to my body, and then uh, see what that will look like. But anyhow, restful night. I watched The Closet yesterday with Daniel Auteuil, Gérard Depardieu, Jean Rochefort, Thierry Lermit. Uh, kind of a nice cast, funny comedy about this accountant who's about to lose his job. And his neighbor, Michel Aumont, helps him to devise a plan to where he sends photos of him looking like he's gay. Anyway, kind of a, what I call, good, uh, kind of a slapstick, funny French comedy. Which they have. They have their own humor, way funny ways of telling stories sometimes. And I think sometimes when they try to mimic the English, they, they fail miserably. But uh, they have some good ones. Actually, my favorite comedy of all time is uh, Dinner for Schmuck, which the American version actually was horrible, with Paul Rudd, which I actually really like. But uh, the one with uh, Thierry Lermite and Jacques Villeray is uh, uh, really, really cracked me up. What a hmm, fun psychology of people. Beautiful day, we shall see, I guess. You know, we have again rain, I guess in the foreseeable future I've mentioned. We have rain in the forecast. There's an old man here walking my way. One of the us. <clears throat> and, uh, but for now, you know, beautiful clear skies. I guess I'm in this canyon, so surrounded by those hills. I guess I'm going to call them hills, not mountain. Still don't know what the difference is. Uh, body feeling great. Uh, I guess I'm taking it for granted, yeah? By now. Uh, have I even had one? Uh, even when I did my big day, my 66 kilometers from Alcaora to Navarrete, the next day I would have been fine to take off. I mean, I'm glad I took a day off. I think it was a wise move, you know, to not only show gratitude, but take care of his body. And, uh, but, yeah, you know, if you get sun all the time, at one point, you, yeah, you kind of take it for granted. It's just sunny. That's just the way it is. And when it stops being sunny, then you get pissed. Uh... 
So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely grateful for this body. And actually speaking of, there is a, yeah, an interesting topic I like to bridge here, which is food. So the last two days, I have not had uh, access to grocery stores, you know. So I've basically had to depend, you know, on spending more money and then other people, you know, doing the cooking for me. Well, technically, the grocery store does most of the cooking for me anyway. You know, I just uh, put the final touch and do a couple of silly things, but uh, pretty much all the work is done. And, uh, and so there have been more gaps, meaning of me not stuffing my face. And I am, I am aware of that, meaning of the amount of food that I'm eating. Uh, it was interesting yesterday, because when I left the place, you know, I had two fruits. I took a peach and then a pear from the, the buffet, and then some toast. I did eat the fruit, of course. I still had an orange that was left in. I am uh, really enjoying as it's getting warmer, you know, fruits are not only refreshing, but they just feel awesome. Uh, I definitely do enjoy more raw food, you know, when it gets hotter, no question. It just doesn't make any sense to me in the winter, you know. I want to cook just about anything that can. That's what seems to make sense. Uh, but I didn't eat, you know, like I said, I pretty much almost didn't stop yesterday. And, uh, you know, part of me was like, hmm, I'm not going to have enough food, there won't be any places, or, and really there weren't any places. After maybe, well, I guess, yeah, maybe about an hour or so, I went through a few small villages, and they did have bars, so I could have more than likely find something to eat there. But after that, you know, there was nothing until... Uh, Arriving into Portia de la Reina. But I am, I am, uh, I guess those are two things that to me symbolizes a lack of trust. And uh, what I mean by that is I'm still quite keen on planning and over planning, you know, and having, always having enough and thinking of the grocery store and uh, just wanting to make sure I'm okay. And, uh, you know, money, money is one, you know. Hold on a second. There is, there is something happening here. I'm not sure what. Uh, money is one thing, you know. Obviously, as I am, uh, as I keep spending it, and as of late, for sure, in this Camino, at a faster rate, uh, it has brought that on. It's made me aware that I am overstressing, overthinking, overzealous about finances. Meaning, what I consider to be acceptable versus non acceptable or problematic. You know, when does my financial situation become problematic? And then I realize, whatever I'll come up with, it's going to be so relative. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, you know. 
because in a way, the way that I've been living my life in those last three years has been with a greater freedom, respecting the future, you know, to not have the future to be such a fundamental advisor. In the past, you know, when we had a home, I was married, you know, you had jobs and everything, so you had a certain financial understanding. You know, there was this law of economics, like, okay, this is what's needed for the house, you know, you pay the mortgage, you have your taxes, you have electricity, water, you know, you have the internet, you have food, you have appliances, you have furniture, and if you have a home like we do, you know, things like uh, plants, you know, watering outside, you know, taking care of projects, and then you had cars, and then you had insurance, and then leisure. So you would basically look at, you know, creating a plan as far as what is important, what is essential, you know, what are the things that I have to have. And then after that, the non-essential, you know, then it will become a priority. Then what do we value? You know, what is most important and what are all the things that we do value but less? And if we get lucky enough or, you know, whatever it is that we could indulge in. And so you would create this uh, roadmap. And really, looking back now for as long as I remember, the future has always been such a powerful advisor into navigating life, you know, that, that it left very, very little room for moment to moment or the quality of, of the present moment. And we read about it, you know, we hear about it, we talk about it, you know, like, uh, yeah, talking is very cheap and it's very easy. And there is this Kili, you know, this German kid, very, very sweet, that I met on the Camino and, you know, he was telling me at one point, you know, I want to lose weight. And I was like, you know, thinking of a lot of things and I'm like, well, hold on a second, this guy is smoking. So let me find out, you know, how serious he is, because I've learned by now, you know, that people talk about it, but they, they are kind of interested on the fringes, but they are not really interested. And so I was like, well, good, we're going to make it simple. Stop smoking. Make it today your last one. And in a month's time, we will, uh, we will advise. And uh, yeah, I'll bet the house that I don't have <laughs> that uh, as of now, it's, of course, it's back to smoking. Yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet anything on it. So, um, and I think, actually, what's going to be interesting about it, beside me watching those cows going along the side of these hills, I guess being led into some pasture by the farmers. Um, I guess... What I would like to link that to is the very idea of future and how much importance we are giving to it. And there's no question, you know, if you are living like a normal, 
like a life. I was living not that long ago. Then you are. It's impossible not to take that into account. That would be responsible, and that would not be sustainable. So you know, I, I have no problem whatsoever with this way of thinking. But I think the problem is when the percentage of what. Alola. The percentage of what you dedicate to to that part of your life becomes higher and higher, and even more so. Even now, you know, when I, uh, I guess I'm glad. I'm definitely glad I've stopped uh, watching the Spanish news. I feel like I'm going through detox right now, social detox. But you know, you have the war in Ukraine. You're looking at Spain. I mean, actually, the U.S. It's really so many places anyway where the cost of living is shooting up. You know, like right now in the U.S., they're looking at combating the inflation, so they're raising the interest rate, which is going to uh, handcuff a little bit the, the acquisitional power of the American people, meaning they're not going to be buying as much because it's going to cost them more. So to try to curtail the demand and then to give a break to the supply and so you know the the reality of life i guess you know there is a flux you know there is things things are always kind of moving up and down up and down and uh, you know in time of plenty uh i guess my point is that even in time of plenty it never is then you're always thinking of more you know i think it's it's a hard one. It's a slippery slope, you know, kind of like greed, you know. You go to a place, so you do well. Everything is going well. You're not sick. Nobody's, you know, family is sick. You're doing great at your job. You're getting a promotion. You know, your car is not breaking down. You don't have any major repo in your home. No serious health problem. So you're just accumulating wealth. And then, uh, but that never ends. You know, that... Uh, Red cage, just uh, that wheel never stops spinning. And then, uh, I, of course, I speak for me here, but I don't think it's just me. But I remember, you know, getting to a place to where, you know, so initially, you know, we fell in love with Glenda. Then uh, I had to go back to France, you know, work, and then uh, eventually came back to the US. And then uh, find somebody to sponsor me so I could get a working permit. And then I had to go back to France, and then get back, and then worked, and then then you start to look at plans. And there was a house that she found, you know, the 123 Loma Vista Drive in Kerrville, where I lived from '96 to to 2017. And so, you know, then there is a mortgage, you know, you know, the Glenda had a master's, you know, had a had a good job, which actually, well, she changed after, but anywho, regardless, she was still. She almost always made more money than I did. So, you know, she was doing good as far as uh, American demographic, you know, and of course with higher education, which used to be uh, more helpful than it is now. And uh, and then, you know, we had the house and then the car. So uh, I got the Dodge Caravan, which I loved until I blew it up. That's another story. And then she got a car, so we had both vehicles, because where we lived, public transportation was not feasible, still isn't, you know, and more than likely, 
I dare to say in Kerber, Texas, is not going to be for quite a while, if ever, actually. I don't see it being, I don't see it being swallowed by San Antonio. So, and even then, my understanding is San Antonio public transportation is not good. But it's neither here nor there. So, you know, so you have those things. And I'm a simple math guy. I'm a simple uh, economics, economics student. So it was basically like, okay, this is how much money we bring in. And it is kind of uh, how much goes out. And at the beginning, I was completely out of it. You know, I'm not American. You know, so Glenda pretty much has a very good head on the shoulders. And she had kind of the idea about the house she wanted. It was feasible for the mortgage and, you know, for what she was going to make. Still raising, still having one daughter at home. And so initially, I was kind of uh, kind of out of the game. You know, I started to work. And then pretty much from the get-go, I know it's different for a lot of couples, but... We had a common account, you know, everything went into one bank account. To me, it made no sense. And I still, I still think I feel the same way. If I was to really commit myself to a partner, whether or not you get married, but I think there would be a, a common account, you know. Uh, I like the idea of having like a discretionary kind of a tab, you know, for either party to have something that they can spend at their leisure but you know the main one would be about the common ground to where you know where you're living and all those expenses and you know kind of a democratic field where you both would have to agree to to make any move outside of uh, the essentials so you know so we had those things you know she bought a car so she got a new car she wanted that saturn it was a coupe it was a convert hold on was it a convertible no, it was uncomfortable, but it was a coupe. Uh, it was a, a sports car. That's something that she wanted to have. So she had that. So we had a home. We had a vehicle. And we both worked. And then eventually, I'm not sure when it started to happen, but I became more involved. And uh, then it was like, okay, let me get a picture of everything here. You know, then also learning about mortgages because finding out that with, I don't know, in Europe, but in the US, you know, you have your, um, oh my goodness, what do you call it? So you have your principal, I said, I'm not mistaken, it's called the principal, and then you have the interest. So the principal, you know, is kind of like the, the minimum that you have to cover, that you have to pay. And, uh, and then after that, the interest has to do about, let's say you have a, we had a 30-year 30 30 year mortgage. So if you were to pay 30, year, the interest that you end up paying is huge. Meaning the less you can afford a house, the more it's going to cost you. Which is a beautiful, beautiful thought, you know, the idea. If you're wealthy, things are going to cost you less, which is quite, quite an amazing statement, which makes no sense whatsoever. But it makes sense culturally and evolutionary as far as uh, civilization is concerned, I have uh, I have no qualm about that. To me, it just makes no sense. And so, uh, basically, as I kind of learned about that, I realized, okay, so if you start to pay a little extra, you know, on top of the principal, and you have to let them know, which there was a beauty to you, you had to let them know that the extra you were paying was not toward the interest, which basically means the money they're making from you to the principles to what actually you really need to pay 
and it saves you money. So in the end, we, the house was paid in 12 years. I don't know exactly how much we saved, but yeah, quite a bit. So, uh, you know, my discipline, you know, the idea was like right here, you know, owing money is not a good place to be in, in debt, you know. And then same for the cars, you know, once we're buying something, it was strong discipline to just pay it off. And cars within two years were being paid off. And uh, that's also why the divorce was such a smooth sailing, because we had no debt, you know. Everything was clean. But the point, I'm sorry, I'm digressing here, but I'm, I was talking about, um, you know, the idea of future or the idea of, you know, having plenty and that plenty becoming not enough very quickly. And so, you know, the idea of having a padding, I think the idea was like having $10,000, basically any account that were not to be touched. And then even as I got rich, then another one got on top of that. Like there was no point that was like, okay, we are going to go to that. We kind of need that. We need a safety net and all that stuff, which is great. And then once we get past that, we're not going to keep getting caught up in the game of having more that's not being used. Having more for which we have to work for and then not to enjoy and not to do something with it. And uh, for me, I realized it was a slippery slope. And I guess it's not all black and white, because, you know, though I have never been enriched, I have always, you know, not, not only always have a little more, always have had a little more, you know, after I would call it after each of my the countries where I have lived for a while, I always came out a little richer. That's a very relative word. But, you know, Always, it was always easier. And, you know, even now, as I look at my life, and uh, as I look at my life, you know, what I'm able to do, I have no idea. Well, I know for sure. I would not be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have the savings that I was able to diligently save, you know. If I, if, I, if I did not have that pad, I would not have felt comfortable embarking on such a journey. I am not that kind of adventurer, you know. Uh, some people, I think, sometimes have the wrong idea about me. Uh, but I do, I do need a certain passion, you know, to kind of, uh, to kind of, uh, how would I say, to, not too gentle, to... To safely land for my fall if I'm to jump. So I will take chances, I'll take risks, but there's a lot of legwork that uh, was done before I got to that place and before I was comfortable to do that. I think my, uh, my threshold has changed in terms of uh, what is essential, you know, what I do need. I think it's becoming less. As I think as I have embarked on that journey and uh, things have happened and I've enjoyed the fruit of those experiences, they've kind of changed the paradigm and I don't need to know as much. I don't need to have that much. I don't need that kind of pad, you know, to soften my fall. Here we go. That's what I was looking to soften my fall. But I still do, you know. Uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm okay for the near future not to have to worry still, you know, about finances. Uh, that has, was made more clear. And that's also relating to what I'm talking about, you know, about the future. Because, you know, thinking of this Camino here, where it's costing me... Uh, it's costing me way more, you know, I mean... You know, places to, like right this morning, I paid 46 euros. I mean, it was for the the place to stay, the, the dinner, and then breakfast. But that's, you know, I mean, normally, uh, you know, 20 euros. And I get my three meals taken care of. So it's, it's uh, you know, 40 or 60 something. It's, for me, it's a lot of money. And, uh, and it, it is. I am not arguing that fact. But one new uh, one new story, yeah, that's being said in parallel very quickly to redirect that, which is Anthony, you can afford it. If you were able to do it different, you would be, but right now this is a situation. You know, you could make this trip more stressful by making the days longer so you would control where you would stay and then the trip would be dictated by financial you know more so than other things and uh so you're okay you know it, it is in life sometimes you're just going to be spending more you know when you were living in conil with urban and you were in that system to where you didn't have to spend a penny you know, I mean, I spent a very, almost nothing for a year and a half, almost. And I'm like, you know, what, what was the deal then? So I realized that part of me, I wouldn't say it's not healthy, but it's slanted. It is biased in, in a way that I'm not very happy with. Because there is a time, you know, there is a time to save and there is a time to spend. And in life, like in everything else... You know, there is this dance about knowing when to do which, you know, and then embracing whatever it is. And I think I can honestly say that after a few days on these caminos, doing those things, I have become more appreciative of, uh, of that interesting uh, dilemma. And also of my predisposition to be somebody who wants to accumulate more. So greed, you know, avarice. I think Maribela mentioned that there's some kind of like, you know, all those psychological testing to, to kind of define people. And uh, not that it was, you know, not that it was surprising actually when she said it, but I don't think I'm Stooge, you know. Scrooge, sorry, Scrooge, Mr. Scrooge. But, uh, yeah, I do, I have a propensity to, to save, to accumulate more, to always, about tomorrow, make sure having enough, having more than enough, having more, more than enough, and that enough is never enough. That changes. So what I call my slippery slope. So, the future, you know, as an advisor, 
in, you know, what's been happening to me, which is so hard to convey, you know, still, you know, after three years, sometimes it blows me away that how can I not be concerned? How is, you know, a certain vision, a goal, or, you know, a certain lifestyle, how is it not ringing a bell at my doorstep? Why? Why is that not important? And as I'm saying these words, Narcissus and Goldman comes to mind, a book by Herman Hesse about those two, basically, two sides of one, one man, of course, Herman Hesse, about uh, one is a scholar, the theologian, the monastic person, and then the other, the troubadour, the vagabond, you know, the person who lives vicariously through the senses, more animalistic. And not that I am either, I think I'm definitely both, and I think for most people that's the case too, we are both of those things. But I've definitely become more uh, Gorman, I think I got the character right, who's the guy who's just living with the season and is just, there's no... You know, it doesn't have a future, it's not anchored into a place, it just flows. And that's definitely been my life. And the future has had a, a weaker grip on me. I mean, yeah, my goodness, a very, very weaker grip on me. So, uh, I forgot the name of uh, this Christian writer talks about the first half of your life, you know, everything is kind of external, you establish a base, you know, you do something, you make something of the world, and then that second part, you uh, you go more inward, you, you search for something which is not uh, so based on materiality, but it's more abstract, more spiritual. And I think I'll climb that. You know, though no, though of no choice of mine, but I'll claim that. That seems to be where my life is leading. And I'm curious, you know, I'm curious to see because, you know, it's been two months, you know, uh, walking and uh, I definitely consciously do not feel near anything, any answer. You know, there is no no light bulb has been switched on. All I'm going to do is walk because that is it. It's it's what makes sense now, and then that's the only thing that can compel me to live. That's my reason for living. It's my uh, my actual. Uh, Understanding, not uh, not why, not where I go. I don't even have a why. You know why am I? Why am I? Why I guess I can tell you why. I'm walking because it's what makes sense. You know, not because uh, I'm going to win a race or I have a goal of uh, you know doing so many kilometers or that there is a finishing line. None of it. I'm walking because. It's what makes sense now, and if tomorrow something was to be found that made more sense, 
then that would put an end to the walking because the walking is neither a means nor an end. It is in a way... Well, I guess no, the, the walking is a mean. But... It is also the end, I guess. Well, I guess, no, the end is toward which I go every day. I'm walking toward, luckily, Rainio. That's, uh, that's what it is. Um, but it's, yeah, I guess the, the end to me is, uh, is not really that relevant. The means is more important. What I'm actually doing, or how am I going to spend the day, is what's most important. You know, the, the goal came after the means. I was going to walk. And then it became, well, okay, so then how exactly am I going to walk and where am I going to walk? You know, because to me it would make no sense to being like, well, I'll just start to walk and then we'll see. I'll just uh, feel my way here as a livestock. Uh, a flower house actually somewhere around here. So the means is more important than the end. The end is what's needed, you know, to use the means. But it's not the genesis. Would the genesis for me be walking? I guess. Or I guess not being able to stay. Because I guess, yeah, yeah I guess maybe even before the walking. Uh, walking is just uh, what makes sense. Being on a bike makes no sense. Having a motorcycle or a car or, you know, going by bus or by train or by plane. All of those just don't make sense. So the walking is, seems to be the most meaningful use of the time at my disposal now. But before that, the genesis was unrest, uneasiness, unseenness on my part. And being like, yeah, I'm not going to stay here anymore. And maybe becoming more attuned or more sensitive to, to when that's happened, instead of maybe resisting it or being in denial and then having the pressure increase until I'm forced to accept it. Anyhow. So, future, I guess. I'm not sure exactly where that started, but, you know, I talked about the future advisor, the advisor of the future, you know, being such a strong... I uh, almost want to use the word ally, but it doesn't feel right. But a valued, here we go, a valued advisor in our lives. And uh, I'll be curious to see what come of it, you know, when I get, when my uh, life software gets updated again. Because I don't think I have a problem with it either. Because depending on your life path, you know, I mean, there is going to be future one way or another. The question is, how much of a role, how big of a role will it play? And could there be? other um, protagonist involved, instead of this one being so, so overpowering everything else. And I'm definitely curious to see how what I've been doing, you know, what it will lead to. And curious to see if maybe a new, a new birth might not take place. You're gonna mention something about that, which was interesting. You know, which was way less failed. 
you know, talking about, he talked about my, uh, my third milestone, you know, Philippe being the first one, then Anthony, and now this new one, you know, and, uh, yeah, because I believe, I believe that I obviously that I do belong here, you know, that there's a reason why I'm here, and, uh, and I have no problem, you know, with who I am right now. And who knows, you know, how much longer I will walk. I think I am uh, becoming more finely tuned, you know, with live chi. And also with, you know, live biofeedback to accept it more, you know, gracefully, peacefully, to be more submissive, to be more surrendering, instead of uh, being so focused on my, uh, my lens and then seeing things as assets or obstacles. Either it's useful or how to overcome or manipulate or use it. And instead to be more of a of a more peaceful, of a more graceful dance with what is. And more accepting, less resistance. Yeah, which you know this idea of uh with the flow. So as I go down this canyon with those, <laughs> well, the road is not that bad, but if two vehicles uh, drive by, one is going to have to slow down because I am on the road. There is no Camino. But anyway, all is well. All is well, my friend. So I wish you a beautiful day. And uh, on to Reano. Reano? Shit. Reano. I think it's Reano. Doesn't matter. Uh, I go, and uh, I wish you a beautiful day. Until later, Gator. Not sure if you can hear it, but um, it is raining. But not on me, not today. I had a few drops when I went grocery shopping in Reano um, because I realized the campground was further away about a kilo- kilometer and a half from the the town and actually quite a quite a climb well, I mean obviously not for the Camino but you know for going down there and coming back up which means there's quite a nice view but anyway I decided to get the groceries because I arrived early you know, it was a, obviously a relatively easy walk. A little bit of a trail, but mostly road. And uh, so just a few drops on me. And now we have wind and uh, rain that I am observing for the bungalow that I've rented for, uh, for the night. It's very cute. I'm on a wood bench uh, table on my little uh, covered patio and I have a, it's a, like a big building well it's a big building but it's like a house with basically divided into three bungalows so pretty cute couple of beds on the inside of course in the you have your own uh, private bathroom so and I'm actually I don't know uh, 30 feet from the main building with a restaurant and everything I may possibly go look for a salad later on. Just something with green.
I got everything else taken care of. I did a tour. It's a small campground here. And of course, uh, the majority of the people have their own vehicles. So you have very, very few tents. Which is such a shift from the way camping used to be, you know. I'm wondering how that's kind of affected the industry having to really upgrade its facilities to accommodate the more luxurious type of uh, travelers that come and then choose to do camping. But it's cute, cute place. Still have, I don't know what's the kind of mountain range in front of me. Um, I don't know if it's a peak of Europe. I'm not sure. And I'm sorry, I'm a little tired now. I just wanted to enjoy uh, doing a little recording while it was raining outside. And it looks like uh, the first wave is coming to an end. Funny observation too. I basically haven't met any other pilgrim. Uh, since really the Lebaniego, I mean, I've met those guys with the cars, but I'm pretty much alone here, which of course is fine. You know, it's not like it doesn't make my uh, my Camino uh, richer because I meet some of the people who are doing something similar that I am doing. But it's interesting, you know, shifting from the Camino of the North and where I've been, even on the Ignaciano, you know, the very sparsely traveled you would meet uh, almost i would meet almost everybody somebody coming the other way but here outside of some uh well not today anyway because today was not uh the overwhelming majority of the camino was along the road and i mean on the road basically you uh, there's almost no shoulder and that's where that's where i was for quite a ways but there was a nice, nice trail section going through a couple of villages before arriving to, oh, I don't remember, Boca de Huerfano, I think. Oh, no, it's not Huerfano because Huerfano is an orphan. And um, where I got some nice sweet oranges. So it was a nice kind of backcountry trail, but it didn't last too, too long. And then I was back on the road. And then right here... It was quite a ways uh, going around and around the bend of this big lake, I'm assuming. I don't think it's a reservoir. People doing jet ski and uh, and finally landing here in Rayano. Town looks quite touristy. I mean, there's quite a few places to stay. And of course, we are now entering... Uh, I'm not sure if there's like a school bus or what here. Because I still think we have about a week left for uh, children in Spain before the the summer officially starts and by then I will be on the uh, Salvador and then Primitivo so I don't think it's going to really be a problem for me but problem meaning like uh, I would think in a, in, a, in a Camino like this one it's going to get more touristy you know it's going to be the bread and butter anyhow yeah, I think I'm going to go back and lay down a little more. Anyway, just wanted to to share. They, are, they feel kind of heavy, my thoughts, but, you know, it is what it is. But it was a nice, uh, well, it was a nice walk. I enjoyed the walk. It was actually the first time in the wild that I uh, 
I was panning the pavement, so, you know, being pretty level most of the way, a little bit of down and a little bit of up, but uh, nothing compared to before, so stronger pace. And then, uh, well, looking forward to tomorrow, I'll be starting early tomorrow morning, so I have 36, 37k to do, and, um, and my guess is I'll start around 7, which could possibly mean uh, in the rain tomorrow morning. It looks like it's going to be potentially uh, rainy for a while. Anywho, I'm fading. I'm fading. So let me just put this one down. And maybe I'll have something enlightening and awe-inspiring later on. Anyway, peace. Enjoy your nap too. All right, here we are, I have company, so I'm going to introduce, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. Y vamos a empezar con la Rusia. ¿Qué quieres decir? ¿Todavía estás hablando? ¿Estás comiendo todavía? ¿Qué toca? Yo voy a China. Yo quiero China. Yo quiero China. Yo quiero China. Es su micrófono. Dime, tú puedes decir lo que quieras. De ti. Yo vivo en Albala. Ok. Nacional. Y tengo un naraje. Y tengo unos amigos míos que, que siempre me juego con ellos. Y yo. En tu pueblo, donde vives. Sí. Ok. Y mi pueblo es Albala, la vega. Eh, va a ser mucho más difícil entenderte mientras estás comiendo. Ok. La segunda. Te toca. Vivo en Mustillo. Bustillo me de... de la Vega. Bustillo. Me llamo Paula. Han venido unos niños nuevos de Cantabria. Se llaman Ángela, Samantha y Fernando. ¿Nuevas amigas de Cantabria? No, Viejas sí. amigas. ¿Ya la, la, las conocéis? Sí, han venido a Bustillo a vivir. Ah. Es que antes era la única niña del pueblo. Pero ya no más. Muy bien. Enhorabuena. Te toca. Me gusta esa araña porque allí vivo yo. ¿Y cómo te llamaste? Jorge. <ríe> ¿Jorge? Jorge, sí. Jorge, muy bien. ¿Algo más? Juan J. ¿J? Sí. ¿Jorge o J? ¿Es el diminutivo de Jorge? No. No, es que, es... Es que empieza con... Es que empieza con la J. Es que empieza con la J. Claro, claro, empieza con la J. Muy bien. Ahora, Bele, ¿qué queréis decir? Vivo de Salaña. Salaña, sí. Salaña. Me gusta las serpientes. Ay, no, 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 no,
le gusta y los amigos nuevos le buquillo le y le avala ok así es así es y el último tengo Paula ya me vino a mi casa tengo un amigo tengo tengo tres amigos pero es que solo tengo uno para para jugar con el que es mi hermano. ¿Y dónde eres? De, de Saldaña. Mamá mía, casi todos de Saldaña. Es solo tú de Bustillo este de la Vega. Este es Sabele. Este es de Albalar. Albalar. ¿Cerca de Saldaña? Muy lejos de Saldaña. Cerca, cerca de, la, de, la, de la fábrica donde se hacen esas, uh, ¿eh? <ríe> esas cositas. Ok, ok, ok. Pero entonces, ¿os conocéis desde mucho tiempo o primera vez? Eh, primera, vez. primera vez. Primera vez. Okay. ¿Aquí? ¿En este camping? Sí. Primera sí. 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 vez. Right. ¿Y qué, qué, vais a hacer, qué, va, qué vais a hacer hoy, entonces, juntos? Hoy queremos medir una ejecución. Okay. Sí. Y... Es que yo, yo, sí. yo iba a coquetar a los niños no es que hemos venido al barco de Riaño y hemos montado en un, en un, en un columpio gigante. Oh, ¿dónde está el columpio? Porque he visto en, encima, pero va hasta el lago. ¿Dónde va el columpio? Sí, sí, vi la palabra, pero no, no sabía dónde exactamente. Oh, mamá mía, vaya columpio, ¿no? Oh, es solamente para chum, 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 chum. Ok, ok. Pensaba que era más como un tobogán que te iba a llevar hasta el mar. Ok, no es un columpio. Muy bien. Oh, es la bandera del reaño. Muy bien. <laughs> anyway, so this is the company I have had on and off for. Sí, a ti te gustan los caballos. Unicornos. ¿Dónde has visto unicornos? Nunca, nunca he visto unicornos. Oh, mamma mia, hay más ahora. Anyway, it's, it's uh, really, really funny. So, I am in this campground in Riaño and then uh, I met those little kids and they just keep coming back and then each time there are more of them. <laughs> they are adorable. So you've met uh, them introducing themselves. They're like four, five years old, around that. Anyway, and they're just meeting for the first time. Anyway, just wanted to share a little bit of... Uh, Very fun. <laughs> Very fun. Anyway, that's it for today, guys. Love you all. Have a great one. Ciao, ciao.